morning. Um, I want to take a moment to thank Pastor Kevin Johnson for inviting me to preach this morning. And I want to thank you all for your hospitality, for the good mornings and the smiles as I was walking around. It's good to be back at Macedonia United Methodist Church. And of course, I want to thank my husband for coming to support me this morning. Our Old Testament scripture today comes from the book of Amos, chapter 7. And it is from this text that I will be preaching today. Listen now for the word of the Lord. This is what he showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to hear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from this land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the, kingdom, the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Will you pray with me? Thanks be to God. Almighty God, we thank you for gathering us together on this day whether present or online. We thank you for your wisdom that we might glean from your holy scriptures, and we thank you for the call you have placed on each of our lives. Be with me at this time. May my words be true to your word and be with us all at this time. May we hear with ready hearts and minds to receive your message today. Amen. Amen. This morning, I would like to speak, to speak on the topic, not a prophet, called to prophesy. Not a prophet called to prophesy. In the scripture reading this morning, we find Amos, a prophet, beautifully recalling visions of Israel's terrible fate. If you read the book of Amos, and I would encourage you to do so, it's a short book, only nine chapters. Um, Amos is consisting of collections of poems and hymns and visions concerning Israel and the surrounding nations. At this point in Israel's history, the kingdom has been divided, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. King Jeroboam II reigns over northern Israel while King Uzziah over southern Judah. Now Amos was from a small town in Judah, close to the border between the two nations. And he travels north to speak to Israel, to speak the word of the Lord. We heard in today's text that he was a shepherd and trimmed sycamore trees for a living.
but God called Amos to prophesy, and so he does. Amos begins prophesying by calling out the surrounding nations, Damascus, Gaza, Ashdod, Tyre, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and Judah. And if you look at it on a map, as Amos is speaking those nations, it's like he's drawing a circle around with a target pointed straight at Israel. And so Amos spends the rest of the book speaking about Israel, God's chosen people. For many Israelites had been exploiting the poor for their own gain, for their own profit. In chapter 2, it reads, The Lord proclaims they have sold the innocent for silver and those in need for a pair of sandals. They crush the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way. Amos continues to list all of Israel's crimes against God. In summary, Israel had not loved God with their whole heart. They had failed to be an obedient people. Israel had not done God's will. They had broken God's law. Israel had rebelled against God's love. They had not loved their neighbors. And Israel had not heard the cry of the needy. Last week, my brother in Christ minister, Corey Wilkins, preached, None of us is free until all are free. Well, that is precisely what was happening in the time of Amos. Though they didn't know it, by keeping the poor shackled in debt, the Israelites were indeed shackling themselves. As a result of building themselves so high up, they were blinding themselves to their own faults and weaknesses, and this would soon lead to their downfall. Amos speaks the word of the Lord. Because of these actions and inactions, Israel will be punished. Israel has been held to a higher standard because they are God's chosen people, and so their punishment will be that much worse than the surrounding nations. Amos recalls visions of Israel's defeat, and Amos even pleads with God. He says, Lord God, please forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. Lord God, I beg you to stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. Today's scripture began with one of these visions of Israel's destruction, and it is one of utter and complete defeat. We know now that Amos' prophecies will be fulfilled by the Assyrian invasion and takeover of Israel. But suddenly, Amos' prophesying is interrupted. He has been speaking in Bethel, in Israel. The priest there, Amaziah, first reports to King Jeroboam what Amos has been saying. He says, Amos has plotted against you within the house of Israel. The land isn't able to cope with everything that he is saying. Amos has said, Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will be forced out of its land. It's worth noting that Amaziah does not correctly cite that these are in fact the Lord's words spoken by Amos, but claims that they are only Amos's words. Amaziah attempts to weaken the message by attributing the words to Amos, a mere human being, instead of the Lord of all creation who commanded Amos to speak. Then, Amos, then Amaziah turns to Amos and says, O oh, seer, run away to the land of Judah. Eat your bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's holy place in his royal house. Somewhat sneakily, Amaziah doesn't tell Amos to stop prophesying. He just tells him, you can't do that here. Go back to where you came from. Go somewhere else. And rather than acknowledging God, Amaziah emphasizes the king by saying, it is the king's holy place and his royal house. 
Then Amos responds to the priest Amaziah, I am not a prophet, nor am I a prophet's son, but I am a shepherd and a trimmer of sycamore trees. But the Lord took me from shepherding the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Not a prophet called to prophesy. You see, Amaziah assumed that Amos was a prophet by profession. He assumed that Amos was doing this for the money, or at least he wanted to make it look that way to the king and others that may have been gathered there listening. Amos told, Amaziah told Amos to go back to where you came from and tell your prophecy there. This was an insult and an attempt to completely undermine the message God was speaking through Amos because typically those people who received payment for their prophecies were not true prophets, but false ones. So Amos denies all of this. He proclaims he is not a prophet, but called to prophesy. By laying down his title as a prophet, he lifts and emphasizes God's role in all of this. I'm not a prophet. I have been called by God to prophesy. Amos teaches us that the action is greater than the title. At the end of the day, Amos isn't really denying that he's a prophet after all. If God calls Amos to prophesy, then of course Amos is a prophet. But by making this statement, Amos brings the focus back to where it is supposed to be, to the glory of God. The action and the one who called us to the action is greater than the title we might get or receive by doing that action. Amaziah had been trying to discredit Amos by calling him a false prophet, but Amos reclaimed his authority to speak by retelling the time he was called by God. I was a shepherd and tended the trees. I can imagine Amos walking among the sycamores, feeling a breeze drift through the branches, sensing a stirring in his heart, anticipating something new and strange on the horizon of his life. I can imagine Amos leading the sheep and cattle back to a safe place to rest at night and just before he lay his own head down to sleep, hearing the Lord of all creation whisper in the stillness of night, go, prophesy to my people Israel. I remember during a summer camp in high school sitting in an auditorium full of other youth worshiping God. We had just heard a sermon on following Jesus and were invited to come forward and to touch the cross as a sign of our own dedication to be a disciple of Christ. It was one of the first times that I remember sensing God's call on my life. I was full of anxious uncertainty about how it would all work when I heard God say to me, but I will always be there for you. I remember years later being unsure about what I would be after I graduated from seminary. Would I be a chaplain? Would I be a pastor? Would it be something else entirely? I was sitting in the chapel of a funeral home, of all places, when I suddenly felt a sensation of the Holy Spirit touching my soul in a way I had not felt in a long time. And I knew that I was being called to minister to those in grief and pain. Do you remember when God first called you? Oftentimes, we get so caught up in the title, what God wants me to be, instead of focusing on the act of what God is calling me to do. When we get stuck on the title, we can lose a sense of why we're doing it in the first place. We can forget our passion or our purpose, but it's not about the title. 
It's about the call to action that God has placed on our lives. Not a chaplain called to minister. Not a prophet called to prophesy. Not a pastor called to shepherd. Not a teacher called to teach. Not a preacher called to preach. Not a scientist or researcher called to question and discover. Not a parent called to nurture. Not a doctor or nurse called to heal. Not a secretary or waitress or housekeeper, but called to serve and, and offer hospitality. Not a lawyer called to defend those who cannot defend themselves. Not a farmer or chef called to feed the hungry. Not a counselor or consultant called to guide. God called Amos, and now God is calling you. Maybe it is for the first time, maybe for the thousandth, thousandth time, but God is calling you today. Perhaps it is a call to continue in your area of expertise, but with a renewed sense of passion and purpose. Maybe God is calling you to something entirely different and strange and unfamiliar. Either way, just as it was with Amos, so it is with us. Our call to action is more important than our title. God's call is over and above any title we hold. God's call is over and above our past or even our present situation. It is God's call, not our class, not our tax bracket, not our lineage or background that is most important. So whatever labels society has placed on you or maybe even you placed on yourself, what action is God calling you to today? Because God is calling you. God is calling you to action, not to a title, People will attack and undermine your title, your image, just as Amaziah did to Amos. And sometimes it could even be with the best of intentions. But if God, if the Lord of all creation has called you to do something, no human being can say otherwise. Remember, your call comes from God and stand firm. The Lord of all creation is calling you and is calling me. We are called as Christians to love, to spread the good news, to serve our neighbor, we are called to promote peace and justice in Jesus' name, to free those shackled in chains. We are called to action to the glory of God. God is calling you, so go. Go, as people called by God the Father, redeemed by the Son, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Go. Amen.